Good morning. How's everybody today? Great, good, glad to be together. Uh, I have a few announcements for you. You can get your blood pressure checked today right after this service by our very own Kay Smith. Kay, are you here? Kay, thank you so much for sharing your gift. It's a nurse practitioner, is that what you are? Yes, so thank you for that. So she's going to make her way over to the chapel. So if you would like to get that done today, go see Kay right after this service. Thank you. This Wednesday is the chili cook-off. As you may know, we need eaters. Don't even need any more pots of chili, and you don't have to sign up. Just come in and taste chili and have some fun, 5.30 to 7.30. On Friday, November 5th at 6.30, Genevieve is offering a Taze service. We had those online for a while. It's a nice, um, beautiful service with silence and prayer and lovely music. It'll be in the chapel, so we hope you would join for that. Um, Mark your calendars for November 10th. Do you remember when we've done Rise Against Hunger year after year where we pack 10,000 meals in like an hour? And it's this great intergenerational event. It's from like 3 to 93. All kinds of people show up. We'll do that in the Palm Center on November 10th from 7 to 8.30. Also, just another reminder that All Saints Day is that first Sunday in November. So if you have anyone that you have lost over this past year and you want their names included, to please call the front office um, by November 1st um, so we can be uh, a whole list that where we can be in prayer and um, remember those people that we love. We had some new members join our church today. They're, they all actually were in the 9 o'clock service this morning. Um, Ken Hickson... Sweet Ken, Kimberly and Michael Romalo and their twins, Annabelle and Michael, are in the, um, come over at nine o'clock, I think. I think I saw them leave to go over with you guys. And Sue and Dave Shubring. So, so great. So if you are interested in becoming a part of this church family, you just reach out to Mingy Brown and she'll get you all connected. Those are all my announcements. Would love for you to stand up, make your way across the way and say hi to someone you don't know. Still 
You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Sing with me how great is our God. 
our God. Praise be to God that we get to gather in the house of the Lord this morning, give thanks, give praise, and take those things that are heavy on our hearts this morning to the foot of the cross and be reminded that we face the trials of our life as a community and as the body of Christ in one with Christ. I would like to begin uh, by first, before we jump into our praises and prayers, just reminding us that there are several ways that we can be giving and supporting the ministries um, here at Church of the Palms. Um, and if you call yourself uh, a, a member of this community, if you call Church of the Palms your group, um, your community of believers, if this is home for you, um, then there are several different ways that we can be supporting our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And uh, if you are joining us for the first time this morning, um, then we encourage you to just be present for the service and see what God may have to show you this morning. Um, but there are also baskets in the back um, that you pass on your way in, and we'll get to pass on the way out as well. So with that, I would like to go ahead and um, begin with praises. Do we have any praises and anything that we want to celebrate and give thanks for this morning uh, and celebrate together? Oh, excuse me, I need my mic runners. I almost forgot. I'm so sorry. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. My name is Ava Epstein. I am a junior at Venice High School. And my name is Gianna Falbo, and I'm a senior at Venice High School. Awesome. So these lovely ladies will uh, bring the mic to you wherever you are at so we can all hear um, your celebration and your prayer. Who would like to uh, begin with a celebration this morning? Something we want to lift up and give thanks and praise for. I just want to lift up for celebration our successful fall retreat that we had in northern Florida. I think everybody had a great time and great worship together. And I also wanted to lift up my daughter Jessica in prayer. She's still facing some health issues. We're waiting for tests. Thank you. Absolutely. We give thanks and praise for a wonderful fall retreat for our student ministry. A, a, large, a good group of our middle and high schoolers traveled up to Stark last weekend and got to hang out together um, for the weekend and just ha kind of had a nice re uh, mid-semester retreat to refocus. And then we lift up uh, Jessica and her situation and her continued healing and the desire for answers. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there other praises before we jump into? Yes. I just want to thank God that he's healing. He's healing my heart. <laughs> After the loss of my husband. Thank you. Yes, praise God for God's healing hand in our hearts after the loss of loved ones. Praise God. Are there other praises that we want to give thanks for? Yes, Gianna. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'd just like to thank God for a negative biopsy. Yes, praise God for negative biopsies as well. Those are always worth celebrating and giving thanks for. Um, I just want to praise God for community, and uh, I dropped in at the 9 o'clock service, and now I'm here, so I'm having a good vibe. <laughs> hey, double dip Sundays are totally okay. Praise God for wonderful community, yes. Um, welcome home. Are there um, any, uh, anything that is heavy on our heart that we want to lift up this morning, any prayer requests, um, we will respond 
as a group. Uh, Lord, hear our prayers. I'll try to do better this time. Uh, <laughs> I'd ask for continued prayers for my stepdaughter, Christina, who has uh, bone cancer, and she's now in palliative care. Prayers for Christina and her battle with bone cancer and all those who continue um, to battle in their fight against cancer. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there others? I'd like to ask for prayer for my friend Jackie. She's 36 years old, and she is struggling with lymphoma. Yeah, we lift up Jackie this morning in her battle with lymphoma. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there others? We lift up those that are continuing um, to be affected by um, COVID-19 and those who may currently be battling covid or um, mourning the loss of loved ones and, uh, and those who are close to them who have recently lost people due to COVID. Lord, hear our prayers. Let us pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, for interacting with us, God. God, for us being able to hear firsthand of your healing power in the face of loss. Lord, we give you thanks for negative test results. God, we just give you thanks for your relationship with us. God, that your son died on the cross so that we may be forgiven and, leave, and live freely in a relationship with you, God. God, but in the midst of so much joy and things to be thankful for, there are things that burden us. Things that you know all too well because you abide within us, God. God, we just continue to ask for your hand of healing we ask for your hand of peace and comfort and your strength as we take on this life day to day and try our hardest to be lights in our community and to those around us, Lord God. May you just empower us to be your light and may you provide for us comfort when we need comfort. May you provide to us peace when we need peace. May you just continue to work in our lives and your presence be felt. We ask all of these wonderful things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Morgan Wilson. I'm a sophomore at Riverview High School. Our reading today comes from the book of Job, chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak. I will question you and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Our second reading today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then are we to say about those things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will, not, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Jesus Christ who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who will indeed intercept for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am conceived that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning. My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see you all. One of the lessons that was just read to us so ably, thank you so much, comes from the book of Job. The book of Job can be found pretty much right in the middle of your Bible. It's found in a section of the Bible called Wisdom Literature, and the wisdom literature of the Bible is the literature that wonders at the meaning and purpose of life and repeatedly asks this question, what is God up to? Why do things happen the way they do? Why do the wicked prosper? Why do bad things happen to good people? Wisdom literature is filled with prayers and poetry and philosophical rumination. It's in wisdom literature that you hear that the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. You hear that all is vanity. You hear that to everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And as I said, you find in wisdom literature this story, the story of Job. How many of you have ever heard Job before? Raise your hands. Very popular character. Job is a really, really long story that is broken into three parts. The first part tells us about the man named Job whose life has been very, very fortunate. He has received many things, a loving wife, a house full of kids, a Texas-sized ranch, plenty of livestock, a good bit of money, a fully funded pension plan. Job, as I said, is fortunate. Life has been very, very good for him. Now, also in the first part of Job, the camera kind of shifts up into the heavens, and it is imagined that God has convened his heavenly council, a member of which is Satan, or the accuser, as it reads in Hebrew. And God and the accuser get talking about Job. And Job takes great delight, God takes great delight in Job, and how a good and righteous and obedient servant he is. And the accuser says, well, duh, no wonder wonder he's such a good guy. Look at all his fortune. Easy to be a God's guy when you're flush with cash and you've got a healthy family and you've got no troubles. But let me, the accuser says, let me, Adam, let me change the scenario. Let me strip him of all that he has and all that he cherishes. And let's see how much of a God's guy this guy really is. And God says, okay, go ahead. And the accuser goes ahead, and he strips Job of everything, his family, his home, including even his own health. And part, N, part one ends with Job's wife saying to Job, why don't you just curse God and die? A motivational speaker she was not. <laughs> part two of the story of Job is this 40-chapter poem where Job and his so-called friends try to sort out what's happened. The friends surmise that this has happened because Job has done something wrong. As we learned last week from Dr. LaRue, there were many who believed that fortune was tied to good behavior. Fortune was a sign of God's pleasure. So God must not be happy, must be the answer according to Job's friends. Job, however, is not pleased with this answer, so he turns his anger and his questioning up to God and demands of God an explanation. The whole idea of the patience of Job that we've heard about before could not be further from the truth. That's part two. Part three of the story is what many scholars believe to be somewhat of a later addendum to the story, where after all this poetic questioning and explaining and wondering and doubting, all of a sudden Job's fate is reversed, and he is showered with a new chapter of fortune, new house, new family, new ranch, new cattle, new Jeep, new 401k, all live happily ever after. Now, the lesson we just heard, read, is from the end of part two. And it's at the end of part two, where after Job has challenged God, demanded an answer about why life has so severely turned against him, God answers Job out of the whirlwind and basically says this. He says to Job, you have no idea what you're asking. And then God starts by saying, 
Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And on he goes, and it's just the start of God's interrogation of Job. So after all this severe cross-examination of Job, Job has one last little response, and it's the first six verses of chapter 42, which again we just heard, and which are Job's last words to God, And again, this is what Job says. He says, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let us pray. O God, your word is rich and deep and mysterious and challenging, and by your mercy and through your grace, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Jack Benny, that great theologian, was in Hollywood accepting an award, and in accepting the award, he said this, I don't deserve this award, but then again, I have arthritis, and I don't deserve that either. Are you aware of the ledger of life? Are you aware that when looked at a certain way, that life can seem like an Excel spreadsheet, that life is filled with its fortunes and its misfortunes, that you can, you can sometimes make life out into two columns, the plus column and the minus column. A lot of people use this method to make decisions. What are the pluses and minuses if I say yes? What are the pluses and minuses if I say no? People, when they look back on their lives, can see good things and they can see bad things. They see ups, they see downs, like a stock market graph. The line shoots up, the line shoots down, and you hope the overall trend is reaching higher and higher. Now, some people take a look at the ledger of life and see in it reasons that wherever they've ended up, it has been the result either of their own wisdom, their own smarts, their own work, or it has been the result of their foolishness, their stupidity, their laziness. In whichever case, life is seen as one big profit and loss statement, and you better hope that the ink at the bottom is not, is not red, but black. And the challenge when you live life that way is that you are vulnerable to a very distorted view of reality. You are vulnerable to seeing your life in one column or the other, one ink or the other, winner, loser, pat myself on the back, beat myself over the head. But life is not that simple. Sometimes life is bigger than that. Sometimes things happen that you can't understand. Sometimes events unfold that you have no control over. Sometimes you get an award you don't deserve, and sometimes you get a disease you you don't deserve. Some things happen that don't fit in the columns, don't compute on an Excel spreadsheet. I once knew a man who had been to war, and in the war he had been in battle, several battles. And in those battles he had men on his right and men on his left friends on his right and friends on his left, who had been felled by bullets, torn apart by bombs, dismembered by grenades. But he was the one who came home. He was the one whose worst wound was a cut from his own knife. And for decades, he would not speak about his war. He would not speak about his battles. He would not speak about his fortune. And he would not speak about their misfortune largely because it would not fit onto a spreadsheet. It could not be explained. His fortune sat right alongside their misfortune. His life, 
alongside their death. His plus alongside their minus. And it wouldn't add up. And he could take no credit. And he couldn't understand. Why me? And why them? Sometimes life gets too big. C.S. Lewis, the great apologist of the faith, the great reasoner of why we believe what we believe, waited a long time to find the love of his life. It took to his 50s to finally find her. And he courted her, and he fell in love with her, and he married her. This old, fumbling bachelor had been graced finally by a loving wife who, within a couple of years of their falling in love, was diagnosed with cancer, and within a couple of years after that, breathed her last in his loving arms. In the wake of her death, and in the depths of his grief, he wrote, Where is God? This question is one of the most disquieting symptoms of my sadness. Oh, when you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. Oh, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, oh, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. This from one of the most profound Christian writers of the 20th century. Sometimes life gets too big. Life will take us to heights we never knew could be ascended. Love we never knew could be felt. Happiness we never knew could be experienced. And lows we never knew we could descend to. Some of it, sometimes we deserve, like the D-plus I got on my exam I had not studied for. But most of it we don't deserve, like the B-plus on the exam I had not studied for. So the ledger does not add up for our good friend Job. Fortune has come in spades, but now misfortune has come with a vengeance, and now life was too big. It had overflowed its banks, and it was flooding his spirit, and as he felt himself slipping underneath the pain, the only thing Job knows to do is to cry out. The relationship with God in the good is now a relationship with God in the bad, and Job has to ask the hard questions about the meaning of it all. And of course, the meaning of it all is in the very questioning and the very crying. The meaning of it all is in the demand for an answer. The meaning of it all is in the relationship with the one whom you believe is on the other side of the conversation. The relationship with God in the good and our relationship with God in the bad. And so God answers Job out of the whirlwind and he spends a good time in his Socratic questioning pointing out to Job all the good he cannot see right now. When, when life was good, he couldn't quite see the bad, but now life is bad and he can't quite see the good. The, the goodness and majesty and difficulty has always been there, though we never have time to appreciate it. The beauty we do not deserve and the pain we do not deserve. That the meaning of life begins with the one who laid the foundations of the earth and commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place. That the meaning of life begins with the one who knit us together in our mother's womb, gave us our brains, our hearts, our souls, the one who is responsible with, for what little or what large IQ we possess, the ones who send granddaughters running into our laps and a bald eagle hovering over our path, and that this world of fortune we give our eyes to see is also a world of misfortune. And unlucky things take place, and we can't make sense of them, and we won't make sense of them. And like Job, we say, I utter what I do not understand. And I do not know that which is too wonderful for me. So when our friend C.S. Lewis continued to write out of his deep despair and grief, and is like Job, he continued to cry out the deep questions of life, 
the why and the how, finally found himself in that point in the relationship with God in the bad, and he writes, when I lay these questions before God, I don't get an answer, but rather a special sort of no answer. It's not the locked door. It is more like a silent, certainly not uncompassionate gaze. As though God shook his head, not in refusal, but waving the question as if God were saying, Peace, child, you do not understand. Which I suppose explains why the good book tells us that at the end of it all, Job repented. Repented not out of some grievous sin against God, not even out of his questions, but repented of his demand to know what God knows. Demanding answers not meant for him. Maybe that's where the apostle found himself as he too wondered about life that had gotten too big for him, wondering about the grace he did not deserve and the hardship he did not deserve. What are we to make of this river that so often overflows its banks? And with Paul, the meaning of it all was found not in some grand philosophical theorem, not some pithy bumper sticker, but instead in the relationship. In the relationship. The love of the one who breathed us into being. And for Paul, the love that breathed him into new being. The love that brings both the joy and the grief, the pleasure and the pain. What then, he asks, are we to say to such things? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord. The one who set the world in the motion. And the one who steps into the hardship, the persecution, the peril, the sword. The one who loves us in good times. And the one who loves us in bad times. The one who takes us to the heights of grace and mercy. And the one who walks with us into the valley of despair. Not to answer the question, but to answer what we most need. The need to know that despite it all, despite it all, we are loved. And from that love, nothing shall separate us. Let us pray. Oh God, we have so much in this world we don't understand. We offer our prayers this day for many people who suffer and who will continue to suffer. And we don't know why that is. And we also offer our praises to you for all the great pleasures of life and the joys, and yes, we don't know why that is either. So we pray, O oh God, that somehow we will stay in our relationship with you, offering thanksgiving and crying out in despair, knowing that you hear us, and knowing that your love for us will never end. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, as love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, since love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, 
forever For the life that's been reborn His love endures forever Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Yeah, forever God is faithful Forever God is strong Forever God is with us you, O God, that forever your love is faithful, your love is strong for us. And we thank you, O God, that we can know that despite the good and the bad times, that your love for us is one that walks with us wherever we may be and reminds us always of your grace. So bless us, Lord, as we make our way into the world, that we may be reflections of that grace to those who need that grace, especially in these days. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.